Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Glenlock this morning. Um, as we get started, just a few announcements. Uh, tonight, the youth is going bowling. Uh, we're going to meet at the church at 4.30. Um, we'll be back around 7.30, and the cost is $10 per student, and that includes food, drinks, and bowling, okay? So I don't know that you'll find a better deal than that. So $10 per student. Um, if, you haven't, if you haven't paid yet, um, you can either bring that tonight or you can give it to me this morning. That would be great. Um, so we'd love to see you tonight at 4.30. Um, let's see. Also, um, we're continuing to fill backpacks for the Appalachian Mountain Ministry. So if you have not gotten a backpack, I think there's a few left out there in, in the lobby. So uh, fill that up. Those are due October 14th. Yes. Um, the association meeting, the annual association meeting will be October 21st at 6 p.m. and that's at Mount Pleasant. Um, so we will not have any evening services here that night. Everyone will meet at Mount Pleasant at 6 for that. Um, the Harvest Festival is coming up soon. It's October 31st. So Wednesday, October 31st is the Harvest Festival. It'll be from 6 to 8. Um, and there are currently bins set up in the welcome area so that we can begin to collect candy. So if you uh, can bring in a couple bags of candy for that so that we have that for the games and prizes and everything that we're going to be having for the Harvest Festival, that'd be great. Um, also, we're going to need volunteers to run games. So if you would like to do that, see Erica, um, and she will find a place for you to volunteer. Um, also, Reverb is a student event that we're going to. Um, I continue to announce this, but it is... An all-night student event that's going to take place November 16th. Um, it's $45 a student, and that includes food, um, a hockey game, a worship time, and then six straight hours of fun. Okay, so we're going to have all types of stuff that we're going to be doing that night. Um, we're excited about it. Six I think it's going to be really, really awesome, um, except for that it's all night. Six so hours of fun. I can see a lot of soda in my future. Um, but it, we're excited about it, and it's something that we're looking forward to. So if you have a student or know of a student who is interested in going to that, um, we're trying to get everybody signed up by October 14th, um, which is two weeks from today. So if you could sign up, grab an info sheet in the back. If you need any other info, just ask me, and I will let you know, um, or I will find out, and then I will let you know. Um, so those are all the announcements this morning. So as we prepare for worship, we're going to read from Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we are so just joyful, Lord, that we get to come and worship you. Um, we are so unworthy of the life that you've, that you've given us, Lord, but we know that in all things that we can, that we can glorify you, Lord, now that we do have life. Lord, I pray that you just fill us up this morning, that you just make us a, a people who are overflowing with your spirit, Lord, that we have hope because we know that we have you. Lord, we just love you so much and thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. Amen. Good morning. If you'll stand with us, we're going to begin with singing Redeemed and Marching to Zion this morning. Redeemed how I love to proclaim 
Good morning. We again have the joy and privilege of having a baptism at the beginning of our service. I'm going to go ahead and introduce Hadley Sanders to you, if you don't know Hadley. I told him as he came in, I I saw his family here. He's got a great group of family supporting him. Uh, His mom is Karen McCosh. His dad is Shane Sanders. In fact, I was telling Hadley that it wasn't too long ago that his dad, Shane, was being baptized uh, within the last, you know, year, I, I, I'm, I'm certain, here at Glenlock as well. So uh, what a joy, Hadley, it is to have you with us today. I, I've enjoyed hearing Hadley's testimony uh, both last Sunday and, and, then, and then again this morning. Uh, you may not know this, but he's a state champion rodeo man, okay? Uh, in fact, I know you said you've won two, right? And he's in his senior year of high school, so he hopes to win another. But through some setbacks and injuries he, he was saved at 12 years old but God's really been dealing with him in his life by taking away some things and allowing him to to refocus and, and and put God first and I've just really enjoyed hearing Hadley share with me all that God is doing in his life so um, he's before us now to be baptized so why don't we pray and then we will honor our Lord through the ordinance of baptism father thank you for Just your love for us, uh, your work in our world and in our lives, and this morning we celebrate the work you're doing in in Hadley's life. Lord, Hadley's right that often through difficulties we begin to see how much we need you, and uh, we're able to have the opportunity to to put you first and, and to live in light of who you are, and I thank you that Hadley... Uh, wants to be baptized to, to show that, to show that Christ is Lord of his life, that he's saved, that he's born again, that he's forgiven, that he's, that he's bound for heaven. Lord, all that's pictured in baptism. Thank you for the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for giving us baptism as a way of identifying with you as you identified with us uh, by, by your own baptism, Jesus. And now... We celebrate this, we, we as a church see this as one of the ways you've called us to encourage one another by, by seeing again the, the, something that demonstrates the gospel. Thank you for the grace and forgiveness that all of us have in Christ, and thank you for what you're doing in Hadley's life. In his name we pray, amen, amen. Hadley Sanders, upon your profession of faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior, and in obedience to Christ's command, it's now my honor, brother to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
stay with me. We're going to sing You Are My King together.
much for just filling this house with your people, God, to love and worship and honor and fellowship um, with you this morning, God. Lord, thank you for the baptism that we got to celebrate this morning, God, and for the reminder that that is to us, that you bring us from the, from the lowest of places, from the brightest of places, God, in every circumstance. You have died and rose again out of amazing love so that we can be free. Free from all the trials, free from every situation that Satan thinks he can hold us under, God. Lord, there's freedom in every situation, in every circumstance that only you provide, God, and that can only be found in you. Lord, we just pray that you open up our hearts this morning and clear our conscience. As we open up your word in 2 Corinthians, Lord, speak to us this morning and use Neil as a vessel, God. Lord, we just love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians. If you go into Children's Church, thank you adults for leading our children and continuing to teach them. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, we are preaching now through the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians that is, and last Sunday we concluded chapter 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses from chapter 1 and then we're going to read all of chapter 2, 17 verses, as Paul continues to tell the Corinthians that his apostleship is based not on appearances, but it's based on Christ. A lot that he says, and a lot I'm going to read, it's kind of over our heads in that we weren't there and we don't understand all that he's talking about, but I'm going to try to pull from it uh, the plain things and the main things so that we can, can understand the, the bigger picture and what, what I think God would have for us to learn from this. When you read the Bible, always remember the plain things are the main things, and the main things are the plain things. Okay, and so the story of the Bible is the story of God's love for us in Christ. And sometimes we can get, we, we can get a little lost when we try to sort through some of the specifics of Scripture, especially the things that, that don't, don't seem very clear. So anyway, what is clear is Paul's proclamation of Christ. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul says, and he says it very boldly. I mean, if you were to stand before a council... You see some of this in the news, or before a panel, before a group of people who were judging you. Look at the weight of the judge, or the witness that he calls uh, to, to the stand, so to speak. He says, I, I call God as my witness. I call God as my witness, excuse me, God as witness to my soul. That to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy. For in your faith, you are standing firm. In chapter 2, But I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you in sorrow again. For if I cause you sorrow, who then makes me glad but the one whom I made sorrowful? And this is the very thing I wrote you, lest when I came I should have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy would be the joy of you all. 
For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. Not that you should be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much, to all of you. Sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority. So that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. I want to emphasize that. You should forgive and comfort him, lest somehow such a one be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end also I wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. But whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, in order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ... And when a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had no real rest for my spirit. Not finding Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. He's trying to explain why he does what he does and why he wasn't there when he said he would be there. You and I face that challenge at times. Yeah, I said I was coming, but... (laughs) There were other things that, that impeded my, my doing what I, say I, I, I was, what I said I was going to do. Verse 14, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in His triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Father, thank you again for your word how it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And today our prayer is that we would hear your word, that we would understand it, and that we would then, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the strength to put it into practice in our daily lives. Thank you for your grace, which allows us to be here, which allows us to participate, as we did earlier, in singing and in baptism and in praying. Lord, may you have first place in all that we do every day, but first place even in what we proclaim this morning from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, as I said earlier in my intro, there's a lot here. All of chapter 2 and even, hey, just for good measure, I I threw in two verses from from last week to to help us get the context of what Paul is trying to say. And Paul is communicating to the Corinthians his heart, He's communicating to them his love for them. They're questioning his his way of going about being an apostle. I mean, he's suffering. That doesn't look so glorious. He's weak. 
Yet he comes to us with all this boldness and this authority. Paul, who do you think you are? So a lot of 2 Corinthians is written to answer that question. So we've got to kind of have that as our backdrop to begin to understand what he's saying. Now what he's saying to the Corinthians, or as he writes to the Corinthians, I get from Paul how we are to deal with the relationships that we have in our lives from a Christian perspective. In other words, if you know God, if you know Christ, there's a certain way in which you should operate with people and communicate to people. And what Paul is saying is that if you personally are feasting at the table of God, if you're walking with Him, if you're thinking of Him, if you're worshiping Him with your life, then your life will have a certain aroma to it. It will have a certain fragrance to it. And other people will pick up on that fragrance that rises to God, and it will affect everybody and everything. And so Paul's letter has a certain aroma to it that I hope to draw out today. Now let's be honest. If we've eaten somewhere and we come home, the aroma gives us away. (laughs) I could give you a few examples. When I was in seminary, I had a roommate who periodically would go eat late at night at this Italian restaurant. And he would come back into the room and he says, I want to apologize into advance. I've been to so-and-so again. (laughs) Okay, And so the whole room for the next evening and days to come might smell of garlic for a while. You're like, that's a little too much information, but hey... It was real. If you go to Waffle House, <laughs> I wish Billy Vaughn was here one time. He, uh, one time Billy told me, he says, Neil, he says, I'm going to take you out to eat. I'm going to take you out to eat where they cook in front of you. And I says, wow, Billy. I says, I love Japanese. <laughs> he, he said, no. <laughs> he says, I'm talking about Waffle House, okay? I, hey, I could go on and on with this analogy, but you get it. If you, if you come in from Waffle House, your family instantly picks up on the aroma, right? Now, in a, let, let's translate this into spiritual uh, truth. I mean, if we're walking with him, and, and, and if, we have, if we have Christ and God where Paul places him first, foremost... There are certain things that are going to come out of our lives. And so what I want to do today is I want to highlight what I see Paul saying. And I want to say basically what Paul said using his analogy, that if we do have the aroma of Christ, if we do have the aroma of what others have described, the life of God in the souls of men, if he is in you, then there are certain fragrances, to use Paul's words, that come out and that will have an effect, a pleasing effect, on others. The first one is the aroma or the fragrance of strong encouragement. Because you have received from God the greatest encouragement that could ever be given, If you have received his encouragement, God's encouragement. Because I think the verse Bryson read earlier, God is the source of encouragement. If you have received that from God, then you will give that out in your life. I see Paul encouraging the Corinthians. 
How do you see that? Well, in verses 23 and 24, Paul says, Look, you're questioning why I, can't, why I did not come to you. I'll tell you why I didn't come. Because if I had come in the timing that you thought I should come, it wouldn't have been a good visit. It would have been a painful visit. The timing wouldn't have been right. And had I come, because of the issues that you've had with me and that I've had with you, it wasn't the right time for me to come. So Paul is thinking not of himself. He's thinking others. He's, he, he is other-centered in his thinking. And he says that in verse 24. Look, I don't want to lord it over you. <laughs> I'm not your chief. I'm not your king. I'm not your lord. The world may want to dominate and control and manipulate you, but I, I don't. I want, I want your faith to be in Jesus as Lord. And so I see him encouraging them to think in, in a healthy way and a good way about where their faith and their trust lies. And if you're going to be a person of encouragement, you're going to shift the focus away from you and onto Christ. That's what Paul's doing. Notice that he expresses confidence in them. But what's the confidence based on? Paul says, I didn't come to you to spare you. God knows that I'm operating this. He's, he's my chief witness here. It's not about me. I'm not here to lord it over your faith because your faith ultimately is in Christ alone. But I'm, look at verse 20. I love verse 24. We're working together. And this is for your joy. Because look at, it, look at what he says. In your faith, you are what? You're standing firm. Now the backdrop here is that Paul has gotten an update from Titus. Paul wrote a letter instead of going. I don't think I should go. I think I should write him a letter. They received the letter from Titus. When Titus gave them the letter, the Corinthians began to change. They began to repent. They began to think rightly and, and, and better of Paul. And, and so their hearts have been moving in the right direction. So that's one reason why Paul has such joy now, is he knows they're on the right track. They heard the letter. They responded to the letter. They even disciplined, and we're not sure the context of the situation or the specifics, but they disciplined someone in the church who had had issues with Paul. So all this is going better. So the letter that he wrote was better than the visit that he didn't make. But see, he's confident in them ultimately, and he encourages them ultimately because it is in Christ they are standing firm. He said it several times in this passage. I'm not going to try to find my way back through it again. But because Paul has received encouragement himself from Christ, it empowers Paul to be an encouragement to others rather than controlling them or being manipulative or even hurtful. Paul does not want to hurt them but he does desire for them to grow and, and, and to, to find uh, strength and comfort in Christ. So with all these points, I want us to think first, how has God been this for us? What an encouragement it is to know that God is the God of encouragement. 
You can go all the way back to Genesis and trace the story throughout the Bible. God has always been gracious and merciful and holy at the same time in the perfect balance and the perfect relationship. So when Adam and Eve sinned against him in the garden, he could have gotten rid of the whole human race. They felt the consequences of their sin and they felt the weight of his holiness. But he also was very gracious and merciful to them and encouraging to them because he gave them the best news ever. He said, one day, the head of Satan will be crushed by a promise I'm going to keep. And that promise ultimately was fulfilled in Christ. I've got to move on, but my point is, if you have received encouragement from God, then you will give that in the proper time, in the proper way, in the proper context to the people in your life. God has called us to encourage one another in a strong way. And the greatest encouragement that we can give people is this. Trust Christ. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never fail you. He will never let you down. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Then the second point that I see as far as big headings here, the the second fragrance is of mutual joy. The great theologian Tom Petty, (laughs) one of his lyrics, Some say life will beat you down, break your heart, and steal your crown. There's enough sorrow to go around, isn't there? Sorrow caused by our own sin, our own shame, our own grief. And the difficulty that it is being you and me. And sinners living in a sinful world. So therefore we need each other and we need each other's joy. God is the source of our joy. Therefore, if you're walking with Him, if you're feasting on Him in His Word, if you're in touch with the Gospel, and if you're abiding with Him, then you will give joy. And you'll give it. To one another. Look at what he says. Verse 2. Look, I didn't want to make you sorry. sorry, sorry. I didn't want to cause you sorrow. Because if I cause you sorrow, then where am I going to get my joy? Kind of remind me of of the old proverb, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. We got to keep mama happy. Why? Because she's a source of joy for all of us. If she loses her joy, then guess what? Then we're going to lose some joy as well. Look at the relationship that he had with the Corinthians. Look, I didn't want to give you sorrow because I need you to give me joy. Verse 2, who's going to make me glad if I make you sad? And this is why I wrote to you, verse 3. That's why we know there's a letter that he wrote that we no longer have. I wrote that to you so that when I come, and he's going to come again... I, I, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice. So I have confidence in you that my joy, look, my joy would be the joy of you all. So Paul's desiring to give joy, and Paul's desiring to receive joy. So here we go again. We need encouragement that we receive from God, and we need to give it out to others. There's the joy we receive from God, and then there's the joy that we give to others. Kyle, I heard you singing <laughs> while I was back there. And Kyle's joy gave me joy. 
even though I wasn't out here watching. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God is not a frustrated God. He's not up there wringing his hands trying to figure out in a miserable way how this whole thing's going to turn out. Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. He is an infinitely joyous being. And so if he is constantly giving us joy, then, hey, I've got something, even though life is, Tom Petty's right, life will beat you down. There's enough sorrow to go around. But if you're in touch with the source of infinite joy and perpetual joy, then there is sorrow and there is grief. Weeping may last for a night, but Psalm 30 says, a shout of joy comes in the morning. Stay in touch with Christ. Walk with Him. Listen to Him. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. No one takes your joy away from you. In Macedonia, probably where he writes from, he said this to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Those who give joy, <laughs> they will receive joy. But where am I going to receive it primarily? From him, from the gospel, from the joy of your salvation. I could go on and on. You've heard me tell you before about the little boy who came running in to his mom and he had gone out to the edge of the woods and he had screamed over the valley, I hate you! And then he heard Echo back, I hate you. So he runs into his mom. He says, Mom, he says, I'm terrified. There's somebody out in the woods that hates me. <laughs> well, his mom, wise and intelligent, knew what was going on. She says, why don't you go out there and, and, and say that you love him? So he runs back out there and he says, I love you. And then he listens and he says, I love you. There's a lot of truth in that. That we receive a lot of what we are giving, okay? The vibe, the tone that you're giving. Uh, life is like, there's bounce back, there's echo. And what Paul is saying is that for the Corinthians, I wanted to time everything right because I need you to be joyful because I know in my sorrow, your joy is going to help me. Let's move on to number three. Passionate love. Passionate love. Because God passionately loves us, amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? God has demonstrated his love in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love we receive. So then in our relationships, the love that other people need and the love that we give is the love that he first has given to us. So this is a very passionate letter, but the, let, the severe letter that he wrote, which is not 1 Corinthians, by the way, it's another letter, as I said earlier, that we don't think we have. Look, look at how Paul describes that letter. Look at verse 4. Out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. You just see his passion. I mean, tears were dropping on the parchments, okay? As, as probably someone else wrote this as Paul, you know, d described it. You see, they were saying, you don't care about us. 
Where were you when you said you were going to be here? You're off suffering somewhere. When we needed you most. And it breaks Paul's heart to think that they don't care. Do you know how it feels when sometimes you really love somebody, but they're misinterpreting your behaviors or your decisions? And, and, and this is especially true, parent to child. But sometimes we think, do, do they even care? That's what they were saying about Paul. So Paul writes this letter, and Titus takes it to him, and we're going to find out later on that, wow, they began to say, Paul really does love us. He really does care. And that's why Paul wrote, look at the end of verse 4, so that you might know the love which I have especially for you. If you're like me, you're like, look, I'm, I'm done. I, I've, I've, given all, I've given all I can. Paul could have said that to the Corinthians. You're not getting me? Well, I'm tired of trying to tell you. <laughs> I'm done with you. Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't write them off. Because I think Paul's aware of how much God loves him. In fact, Paul says it over and over. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It's not jealous, it's not rude, it's not... Even, Paul, Paul had already told them the kind of love that God has for us because Paul knew it personally. He was a murderer, a blasphemer, the chief of sinners. But God, as the hound of heaven, continued to love him in a passionate way. So there's a love we receive from our passionate God. Greater love has no one than this that he laid on his life for his friends. Let me say to us clearly, do not ever doubt God's love for you. Because God passionately and sacrificially and deeply, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he would give his only son to, to make a wretch his treasure. John Owen said, the greatest sorrow to ever lay on the Father is not to believe that he loves you. So Jesus tells his disciples, This is my body, which is broken for you. My body for you. Then he says to his disciples, Take this and share it among yourselves. Take this and share it among yourselves. Let's think about that in terms of his love. This is my love for you. And the atoning sacrifice of the Son. Take this kind of love and share it among yourselves. Jake and I were talking on the way down here about the Bible. Bennett is reading his baptism that we, that we gave him for his, his Bible. And we were talking about, uh, Bennett asked if I would preach from the Song of Solomon this morning. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> That may be an adults-only service, okay? And give me time to prepare. If you know about the Song of Solomon, uh, you, you know what I'm, what I'm referencing. But we got to talking about Scripture and reading, and then they asked me, uh, is there a passage that you've memorized? Chapter that you've memorized? And I said, well, maybe 1 Corinthians 13. And so then I started talking about what love is. And Jake, bless his heart, says, man, my love's been awful. <laughs> 
It's very convicting to realize how far we fall short of God's amazing love. And Paul wanted them to know, to be absolutely clear, that God in creation, God in communication, God through sacrifice, God through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and makes his love real to us, that, that, that he's secured our future, that, our, that he's placed us in a one another fellowship. Tim Keller says this, if, if there is not a radical growth in humble love toward everyone, even your enemies, you really don't know that you're a sinner saved by grace. God took Paul and from being a murderer to being a passionate lover of other people in the right kind of way, in a godly way. So that will be one of the fragrances, is selfless, sacrificial love, and we will communicate that to others. The number four, fourth of five, complete forgiveness. After all, we have received forgiveness from the Father, I'm forgiven, we just sang, because you were forsaken, right? So where does Paul emphasize forgiveness? And this is where the details we don't have, which would help. But apparently there was a sinner in the congregation at Corinth, as there are sinners here. In fact, there's a sinner behind the pulpit this morning. What Paul says about sin in the church is really helpful here and about the need for repentance, the need for discipline, but then the need for grace and forgiveness when it happens. And what we find is that forgiveness is not just letting it go, so to speak. Forgiveness is not just forgiving the sin, but true forgiveness is the restoration of affection and fellowship. It's not just, okay, I forgive you, and now I'm not going to have anything else to do with you the rest of my life. Forgiveness is I forgive you. Now I want to show you comfort and love and affection. How do you know that? Look, look in verse 5, someone had caused sorrow. We don't know what the sin was. But notice that we never sin in a vacuum. We never sin without it affecting other people. Paul said somebody calls sorrow, not to him only, but in some degree, but to all of us. But they must have disciplined this person, because look at verse 6. Sufficient for that person is the punishment which was inflicted by the majority. Y'all get that? The majority disciplined with punishment whoever the sinner was. But apparently the temptation was, as it is with all of us, was to go too far. To forget our own sin and to push too far. And that's what he begins to say. The punishment was enough. They've suffered enough. On the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him, lest somehow such a one be... We don't want to overwhelm people with excessive sorrow. Paul says in verse 8, reaffirm your... Let them know how much you love them. This is why I wrote to you to test you in this, to see if you were going to be obedient in all things, including this area of forgiveness... But whom you forgive anything, Paul says, look, I'm with you. I forgive them also. Whoever you've forgiven, I'm going to forgive them also. And this is why I do it. Paul says, I'm going to forgive them for your sake. 
Because it's good for the whole body for forgiveness to permeate the atmosphere. I'm also going to forgive you. Look at the last part of verse 10. In the presence of Christ. Boy, if our forgiveness is going to be in the presence of Christ, then take this seriously because Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Whoa, I better pull back the heat on people. All right, when I'm calling people to repentance, I need to remember myself lest I too be tempted. And then, and then the, the third thing is that, so that Satan won't have an advantage or a foothold because we're not ignorant of his kings. The enemy wants us to remain in bitterness and hostility and anger rather than in full and complete forgiveness. So there's some great principles here about sin and church discipline and all of that. But the greatest lesson is in forgiveness. We do it for the sake of others. We do it in the, sake of, in the sight of Christ. And as a defense against Satan's schemes to make things not better or healthier, but worse. An unforgiving spirit is very toxic. Unforgiveness is a poison that we drink hoping that someone else will die. Forgiveness is a gift that we give to others. But then we realize that the gift that we gave was also for ourselves. So the adequacy of God to do this and work this, again, the forgiveness that we receive from God... Which is, which is this. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. That's God's measure. That's God's depth. We then pass on to others. God has given us complete forgiveness, not just the elimination of the debt, not just the elimination of the penalty, but full restoration of the relationship, a new affectionate relationship that he calls reconciliation with the Father. Complete and full forgiveness. I have more to say on that, but I'm going to move on because the last one's going to take some time as well. I'll conclude with number five. Triumphant gratitude. And follow with me here. The picture here is of a parade. A triumphant, victorious parade. And Paul is saying, God always leads us in triumph. We're participating in a victory parade. The picture here is of a victory parade, which is a triumphal entry of a military hero into a city. A conquering, victorious Roman general marching into the city. There's the cheerleaders and the bands and the floats. (laughs) I drove in a parade a couple of weeks ago. I went into junior high again. Asa, my son, invited me and some of his friends to drive one of their lifted trucks, okay, in this huge parade. So I start thinking about how how this might feel, okay, to be in this victorious parade, this long procession, which entered into the city, and there were magistrates and trumpeters and spoils taken from the enemy. And these parades would have this aroma about them as they would burn spices in the street along the route. So Paul sees himself 
as someone who's giving thanks to God, verse 14, always because God is victorious on his behalf in his life. And Paul says, look, I know I don't look like much. I know my life and my apostleship looks like a mess. And I know I don't have the brilliance and the eloquence and I don't have the pizzazz and I don't have the, you know, I don't look like those super apostles look. But I'm going to give thanks to God because he's leading me in triumph in Christ. And there's this sweet aroma of the knowledge of God going out to every place. Verse 15 is helpful because we are a fragrance of God. Christ to God. That means that God is pleased with you in Christ. When Noah, following the ark, went to the altar and burned sacrifices, the Bible tells us in Genesis that that sacrifice, the aroma from it, arose up to God, and God was pleased with it, and God promised to never curse or destroy in that way the earth again. It says Old Testament imagery of sacrifices and offerings which give off a fragrance of Christ to God so that God can look at Christ and what he's done. God the just is satisfied to look on Jesus and pardon me so that I know that I'm I'm counted righteous in Christ and God is pleased with me. I've always been a little bothered by the old hymn that we used to sing. That when the question comes to me when I think of Calvary, is the master satisfied with me? It's a very good question to ask, and I'm not disagreeing with the hymn writer. I'm just saying that in the gospel, the answer is, is the master satisfied with me? Absolutely, because his satisfaction is based on the satisfaction that he has in Christ, his beloved son. So that's where the fragrance comes from. That's where the aroma comes from. It doesn't come from our deeds and our unrighteousness, but it comes from the sacrifice and the offering of Christ. It's rising up as a fragrance to God. And that transforms me and makes me triumphant in my gratitude and in my joy and in my love and all the other things that we have. So now we've come back full circle. How am I going to remain joyful? How am I going to remain loving? How am I going to remain encouraging? By going back to the sacrifice that Christ did on our behalf. That's the good news that inspires and encourages and lifts and gives us that triumph because we're part of the eternal victory parade. Christ is risen from the dead. And he's invited us as his captives to march right there with him in an eternal processional and parade. That's why he says... I can always give thanks to God. He's got this triumphant gratitude. So here we are again. How thankful are you for what God has done for you? When you deserve the very opposite, you think again of what he's done, and that makes you thankful, not good grief. I'm not getting what I deserve here. I'm not getting my fair lot in life. We get into that thinking. That's one of Satan's schemes. So then we're no longer grateful, we become grumpy, and we become miserable, and then we're a complete total mess. Listen, we got, I'll close with this, we got a, um, a lot of you know that, that every spring, 
for years, a group of, from our church have, have gone to the uh, Appalachian Trail. Miss Lois is in here. Trail magic. All right? A lot of you have gone. A lot of you have experienced this. Every year, the hikers don't forget the help that was given along the way, and they send us thank you cards. I've got two. These people are grateful months later for the ministry that God gave through the church to help them along the way. So here's one from Philip Sheely, Hampton, New Hampshire. Thank you for the trail magic at Woody Gap. I made it. <laughs> He's triumphant. He made it. George, listen, listen, the Georgia to Maine in 2018, the Appalachian Trail. March 15th to July 13th, you know what his name was? Homebound. Homebound, isn't that good? And so here's a picture, here's a thank you card. But even more impressive, and this says a lot, homebound, he's triumphant, he made it. Here's one from Al Grove, who's from Alabama. Now, it was dated August 2018, but this is what he says. The hospitality your hiking ministry provided during our 2017 Appalachian Trail experience was awesome. Thank you, your brother in Christ, Al Grove. That's a year and a half, okay? If he's writing the correct date, which, you know, I don't know, Al's from Alabama, so... Poor Al, you know, he's, he's probably still dating his checks 2017. Al, 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 Al from Alabama. But I started thinking, yeah, this is probably a human mistake, and he means 2018. But you know, maybe not. Maybe a year later, he starts thinking. He starts remembering. He starts reflecting. Well, that Appalachian Trail was tough. <laughs> but there were people who helped me along the way. You know what? I'm going to send a note of thanks. I better stop busting on Al because Al also sent a $100 donation <laughs> with his card. Just a token of love and, and appreciation. My whole point is that these are the things that will come out of our lives because we, have, because we have received these as gifts from God. They will come out as fragrant aromas to others and they rise back up to God as we live our lives. And these are the highlights. Love and joy and encouragement and hope and triumph. You know what? Those are the fruit of the Spirit, aren't they? Thanks be to God for the life of the Spirit, which will live in us and produce those in ways that, left to ourselves, we never could. We really can change. We really can not only be saved, but we can be transformed by the grace and the Spirit of the gospel within us. Amen? Amen. Let that permeate every place in our lives, in our church, in our family, where we work. Share the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Where we deserved complete separation and complete damnation, you instead graciously sent your Son, not only to rescue and redeem us, but to bring us to you and to 
to bring us into a relationship with you whereby through your spirit living within us, we could become not only people who receive love, but who give love. And this would resound to the knowledge of you, that other people would come to know you in a greater way through how we live and share our lives. Father, give us the grace and strength to do that because every day I sin and fall short of this glory. We all do. Life is very difficult. The journey is long. But one day we will triumph in Christ and you lead us in victory along the way as we are homeward bound. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Glorify thy name. You come as we sing. Maybe you want to profess Christ for the first time. Maybe you've never been baptized. And you want to be baptized, to join this church, to pray at this altar. You come as we sing. Just come forward, we'll take our offering.
Lord God, I just come to you now, Lord. I just thank you for how good you are, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the, the message that we've heard today, Lord, and I pray that each one of us will go out this week, Lord, and just glorify your name and be a, be a pleasing fragrance to, to those that we come in contact with. Lord, I thank you for Jesus, Lord, and I thank you that you sent him to, to be the demonstration of your perfect love for us, Lord, and I pray that as we continue our worship uh, through this offering that you be with each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Amen. A couple of things as we close. Um, why don't you stand? Hadley, why don't you come forward, Hadley? Lola, will you come stand with Hadley? Lola came in with her brother this morning. And uh, there you are. We're grateful for Hadley and Lola. Hadley Sanders desires to join our church uh, by his baptism. What's the pleasure of Glenlock Baptist Church? Okay, do we have a second? All in favor, let me know my saying amen. 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 Hadley, we want to present to you this Bible from our church uh, and a certificate which was filled out by our wonderful secretary. And I say that because today is our wonderful secretary's birthday. <laughs> so, happy birthday, Miss Marcia. Greatest secretary in the world. You give so much and you do so much. This place would not be the same without you. So thank you. Everybody tell Marsha happy birthday today and write her a note and put a little gift in there for her, okay? <laughs> now I'm going to be in trouble. Um, after our benediction, come by and welcome Hadley into our church family. Again, great to have the Sanders family with us today uh, in, in celebration of his baptism. Um, tonight at 6 o'clock, we have adult Bible study. We have choir at 5. I think they already announced all that stuff, right? And youth are going bowling. All right. Catherine, well, Lola's going bowling. All right. Go bowl with Lola. 